Hey guys, welcome back to yet another episode of Just Baate, a show where we talk about sports, politics, science, technology, theories, and pretty much anything and everything in between. I'm your host Pratib, and I've got alongside me, obviously, my co-host Ashwin, and also a very special guest. Ashwin, take it away. Hey guys, my name is Ashwin, and like Pratib said, we have a very, very special guest with us from Philadelphia, also known as the land of brotherly love. He's a stand-up comedian. Also happened to open for Kurtz. Kurt Metzger about a year ago. Now, although he's a stand-up comedian, he's here to talk about the recovery and the experience he's had with a toxic relationship with alcohol and how he overcame it. Now, I've, I'm already inspired by this because he has a podcast channel of his own, which hopefully he'll refer to. And I hope you will listeners are also inspired by this. Now, JT, before we get into the topic, I just have a nice break for you. Uh, sure. In one word, the word that comes right off top of your head, what does comedy mean to you? Oh, man. Oh, man. <laughs> we were thinking this ourselves and we didn't know what you would say. So, There's, And we could get into it. Uh, I, you know, th- this is going to sound crazy, but for me personally, comedy was, was, was validation. And we'll get into to my, my reasoning behind that. Um, but yeah. It, that probably sounds insane, but the, right for me, the the initial thing that comes up is is uh, is is going to be validation. All right, I don't think it sounds insane. I think wait, we'll get into it. Pratap, go on, take it away. Yeah, that's actually a very interesting answer, and maybe you'll be able to throw light upon that answer. So I just want to ask you about your relationship with alcohol, and can you just briefly tell us uh, when it happened and what's the story? Uh, sure. So. So first, first of all, I want to say thank, thanks to you guys for having me on. This is, uh, this is very cool. This is like what I think the internet should be for, right? There's people connecting from, from all over and in different places. So, um, but getting, getting back to that. Yeah. So alcohol for me was, it's all I knew. It's, it's, I mean, as far as it's what I, all I saw as a kid, right? So I come from a family of drinkers. I, um, my, on both sides, generations go back. It's what you did. Um, for holidays, birthdays, Monday through Sunday. It's just, you know, I come from a, a long line of, of what, you know, what we consider almost functional alcoholics. These aren't, um, and actually, I, I don't even want to put the label on them because it's not something maybe they're willing to accept, but it, 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 I just grew up in, where alcohol was a very common thing uh, in my household. Uh, and so when I turned 16 or 18, whenever I was allowed to start dabbling in it myself, um, I did because that's what I thought the natural the natural progression of what people did. That's what I thought your um, when you got done with work or school or whatever you did, you just you, know, you didn't get you didn't get sloppy, but you certainly maybe had a, had a couple drinks and um, to relax. Okay, that's very interesting. So you got you started uh, drinking about at the age of sixteen or eighteen, and how regular was it? Was it something that happened daily after work? Or was it like a weekend thing or how did you, how was it, uh, how often did you consume? To expand on Pratip's question, I just want to ask you, what was your, what, what did alcohol mean to you then? Was it something you enjoyed with your friends or something you looked forward to independently? I, I think probably for most people, it, it started as, as a way I connected with my friends. Um, yeah, it was, uh, the people I looked up to a whole lot, they all drank. So it was to be able to hang out with them, have a couple of drinks. Um, and it was, it was just a social thing. It was just fun. It wasn't anything, 
um, you know, I wasn't trying to, to, uh, I, I wasn't abusing it by myself. I mean, that's not how it started. It certainly started, uh, you know, where I was allowed to have maybe a glass of wine or, or a beer or something with dinner. Um, if, if I, you know, had bought beer for like through the fake ID and my parents found it, I was never in trouble for it. It was more of a, um, it was more of a, a joke. Like they would, they would laugh about it. Uh, so yeah, yeah, it was, it was definitely just a, just a social thing. Um, and not a, and not a daily thing, you know, not at that age. I mean, I was going to school and, uh, but after, after high school, I went in the military and that's where, that's where things really kind of changed because it's just such an acceptable thing. It's a coping mechanism used a lot in, in military service and first responders. And, uh, that it, it became an every, you know, if I wasn't working, it became an everyday kind of thing. That's very interesting uh, how you talked, how you touched upon it being a coping mechanism. Was there a point where you felt like, yes, that, like now it's starting to become a coping mechanism or, or did you just not know it throughout until someone else had to point it out to you? Uh, that's an interesting question because I, I, I think I probably knew for a long time, but I, just like anybody else that, that when we surround ourselves by like-minded people, you know, so if you're, if you're really into working out, you probably surround yourself with people who work out a lot, you know? So, uh, my close friends were also all drinkers. So nobody ever looked at you any differently because you're just kind of doing what we all did. Um, and, and no one here, here's the hard part, right? Like no one ever pointed it out to me. I mean, like I said, I, deep down, I knew, I mean, I literally watched my grandfather take his last breath from, from, uh, cirrhosis of the liver. And then I went to a bar. So, I've always known there was something not right about that. And I would see other people that, that didn't live that same lifestyle. And I would, and I would be envious of that. Um, so it wasn't, it, there wasn't even one mitigating factor. There wasn't like this, this thing that all of a sudden where I'm like, man, I just got to change this. It was over time, things creeping in like, mm, I think I'm really kind of, you know, I always use the word compromised. I always felt a little compromised. Like I could be doing really good in, in different aspects of my life. Um, and I didn't have a lot of the consequences. Maybe uh, when people hear the word alcoholic, they may think of, you know, I'd never had gotten a DUI or um, I'd never been in trouble with the law. I, I have a good job. I, I mean, I had a lot of things on the surface that looked like I had it all together. But uh, yeah, deep down, I, I, I knew for a very long time that, that, that there was, this was probably not the healthiest lifestyle. And, and, um, and things are most likely going to progress from here. My question is somewhat aligned to what Pratib asked, and it is to ask you that, was alcohol a way to cope through pain or experiences and situations that pressurized you? So how did it help you cope with, or what did it help you cope with? It's, it's like a double-edged sword. So sure, it, it helped me. I thought it did. I mean, I thought it helped me cope with things. Um, I didn't have the, I mean, I didn't have a terrible childhood. I didn't have the best childhood. Um, and there were certain aspects of my life that I knew that I, like, I, I felt like I had unfulfilled potential. I, I mean, I think everyone probably has that, but, um, uh, was diagnosed ADHD. It, you know, this isn't a sob story, but I, I had certain things like learning disabilities. So I felt a certain way about myself, um, and even though nobody else knew that, like I could portray that I, I had all my shit together and, uh, yeah, alcohol kind of, it got me out of my own head. I mean, I think that's really, I don't care what your addiction is. It could be work. It could be sex. It could be drugs, alcohol, whatever. 
it, there's there's something about people not liking the 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 feeling of of being alone with their thoughts and alcohol was an easy quick way to fix that uh but but really just like anything that's easy and quick the the uh the, the other side of that was i actually had more stress because i drank i never had anxiety that i really knew of in my life uh, at about age 40 i start i had my first panic attack in front of a classroom of of people um and so that was probably one of the signs where i knew something wasn't right okay so that, yeah that is a that's something that you generally hear with addiction that you pointed out jt at what point did you make a conscious effort uh, or at what point did you try and reduce your alcohol consumption i had tried a bunch of times on my own of just saying hey i'm just not going to drink anymore uh, and that was you know, or i would say hey i'm taking a month off um rarely did i follow through with that uh i it was almost so february 4th uh so coming up very soon will be my 2 years of 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 having no alcohol whatsoever um you know i i said it and i and i, and I think i said it in the teaser that i sent you that i felt like i was going to lose the most important things in my life and um when i when i say that i felt like uh so we all have a role right like i'm a provider for my family i'm a i'm a husband and i'm a father and i felt like all three of those things were compromised by uh by alcohol so i have a job that if if i were to get in trouble for something i would no no longer have a job anymore so there goes there goes my provider uh side um just decision making uh, there's just these a, a bunch of little things i i i joke around i compare it being murdered with a wiffle ball bat like you know a plastic bat just it's a, like a little hit over and over and over again um so i just i came home i was from a work trip one time and i said hey that's it that is that is absolutely it and uh that night even though i just flown back from from a really long trip i went to my first 12 step uh uh first 12 step meeting actually that's a lie it wasn't my first one uh but it was been the first one since i was going to try again and and that was um that was close to 2 years ago now first of all before i ask you my question congrats for those 2 years you have no idea i wish you could see the smile on my face when you said that and well done to you i'm so so happy second taking a step back and asking you asking you something related to the coping mechanism do you think if it wasn't for alcohol it would have been something else because i've had history of mental illnesses and i've realized that if it wasn't for this i might have looked for something else like it's oh, yeah. not the fact that this was the cause i just wanted a reason to do something to cope with the pain so do you think if it wasn't for alcohol there would have been something else a substitute maybe 100% and i consider myself very grateful that i i'd never uh, i've never dabbled in in something else you know and i man i'm right on i'm we're cut out of the same piece of wood when it comes to that stuff uh even when i quit i mean i it could be it could turn to sugar it could turn to video games it can it's distraction man i think i think so many of us out there are just constantly looking to be distracted it's i mean social media and you take technology addiction it's they're all the same you know some people might have a productive addiction it's like work and people look at that much differently but uh you're kidding yourself if you think you're not just trying to get out of your own head and doing the exact same thing so 
Uh, yes, my answer is 100% yes. And I have to constantly monitor um, why I'm doing things. Uh, you know, I've talked to another guy. He says God touched him and he gave, and he, and he, when he touched him, he said, excess. Whatever you're going to do, you're going to do in excess. And I loved it. I was like, man, he's, that's, that was me. If a little bit is good, a lot is probably better. And uh, so, so yeah, I, I struggle with that all the time. I feel like I agree with you on all aspects when the XX, XX part. Yeah, yeah, certainly. I also want to ask you if, how did the people around you look at you? They knew if, I don't know if they knew that you had a problem with alcohol, but if they did or if they didn't, how did they look at you? How did alcohol affect others' point of view? Hmm. So this is where, this is where it gets a little interesting is that I've always kind of, I've always had a, uh, I don't consider it a gift. I, so as far as communicating, I've always been okay at it. And I could always come across like everything was okay. Everything's fine. And even when it wasn't. Uh, so people around me did not know, which made it a little difficult uh, because then, you know, I'd say, hey, I quit drinking and, and I came to the realization that I was, it wasn't good for me. I was having a problem and they were kind of shocked by it. And uh, so I got, a lot of, I got a lot of flack from friends, you know, and more just joking without them truly understanding uh, the seriousness to me in my own life, <clears throat> excuse me. And, um, but I tell this story a lot. I, you know, I'll have, I would, cause I, I still hang out with some of the same people and I can, uh, for me, not everybody can do it, but I can still go to a bar with my friends and, and relax and, and, and I'll drink like a non-alcoholic beer. Matter of fact, the, the one and only sponsor I have on my podcast, the, the consequence of habit is a non-alcoholic beer company. Uh, so I'll still go hang out and, you know, the guys will, they'll, they'll give me a hard time. And, uh, but some of those same people will come up to me when nobody's around and, and that's when they kind of open up, right. And they say, Hey, I'm looking to maybe do the same thing. I've been dealing with some of the same problems. Um, and the, the, their reaction is funny. They go, well, how did you do it? And I'll, and I'll, and I'll, I'll walk them through it. I go, Hey, look, uh, just like I told you guys, like, Hey, I, I've got, we've got a job that you can't get in any kind of trouble. I don't care if you're just stopped at a stop sign. If somebody hits you behind and you've been drinking, it's you're in trouble. Um, so now you're not providing, you're not the father you thought you were. You're not the, you're not that idea, that image of what you thought you were. Uh, and, and I didn't want to lose that. So I went ahead and, and I, and I went to a 12 step meeting and they go, Whoa, Whoa, you went to a 12 step meeting. Like, I didn't know it was that bad. And I'm like, man, did you just hear everything else I just said? I mean, these are like the fundamentals of what we are, right? Like, like if those things are compromised, going to a meeting or going to figure out whatever you got to do to make these changes in your life, that means nothing. You know, that's, that is small potatoes. Um, so overall, the, 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 uh, the reaction has been super positive. You know, I think one of the biggest fears when people make a change like that in their life is they, they're thinking long-term, like, I don't think I could just never drink again. Um, like, how, what would I do? You know, who would I hang out with? How would that even, um, how would that even work? And, and my advice to you is, is you can't think about that. I mean, you just think about, hey, today I'm not going to do this and we're going to see what happens. And I think you'd be truly surprised that over a period of time, you realize um, you may not hang out with all the same people. But the, the further you step away from, from these things that, that, that drag you down, uh, you might come to the realization that you were hanging out with those people in the first place because you were trying not to feel bad about yourself. You know, they may, they may I could be wrong, they may be great friends, but, but I found that maybe distancing myself from some people was okay. Like there's nothing wrong with that. 
Um, so overall, it's been a really positive change to the people that matter the most. Uh, it's been a really positive change. Thank That's great that there was positivity around you. Now, I've been asked this a lot, and I honestly don't know the answer for this. And before we get into the icebreaker and what you said, what comedy means to you, I want to last question. When you look back, do you think you'd want to change anything? Or do you want to take the same route and learn whatever you learned? So this felt like the right time to interrupt and let you guys know that we've partnered with Squadcast. Squadcast is a podcasting company. And what they basically do is, is they let you record podcasts anywhere, anytime with anyone. Like you don't have to be in front of your uh, co-host or guest or whoever it may be. You can record even uh, with someone from another country like we've been doing in some of our episodes. So yeah, they provide seamless guest experiences and they let you quickly produce content, progressive uploads and also publish faster. They have their own uh, software through which you can, uh, that can help you with post-production and that kind of stuff. So yeah, definitely check them out. Link in our link tree. This is a tricky one. I've thought about this a lot. Um, I wish I had a set answer on that. Because it's weird because part of me is like, hey, I'm more proud of myself for this than anything else in my life. The other part of me wants to say if I had done this a lot sooner, uh, because my life has gotten exponentially better. Uh, what, what I've been able to achieve since then is, is not something I would have done before. So I, it's pointless to think back and go, hey, if, if I had done this, I would be this much further ahead. You know, one of the things I've also taken up is, is stoicism. Um, it's been part of my, my process of recovery and, and really worrying about what's in your control. So I, I try not to think about that. I just think about what's in my control now and what I can do. Uh, so I am, I am glad that I've gone through what I, what I've gone through. It's, it's allowed me to be where I am now. It's allowed me to have conversations with, with other like-minded people. It's allowed me to develop this this podcast that I have. And, and through that podcast, it's, it's been growing fairly quick. I've actually just started a nonprofit organization to help maybe other people kind of in the same boat. And uh, so even as I'm talking it out with you, I'm going to say I'm, I'm, I'm completely happy with, with the journey I've gone through. I, this is like a therapy session. I, I just came out the other end of it. I really wish you could see the smile on my face because I think your answer gave me an answer. And I think when I look back at things, I'm glad that I went through things too. And made me who I am today. Pratap, do you have a question? Were you going to ask something? Man, that really makes me happy. I mean, it's it's firstly really commendable to face your own problems and overcome them. And it's even better or even greater uh, to, you know, help other people going through the same problems. So really appreciate it, man. Really appreciate people like you. Really oh, appreciate it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you very much. Now I want to ask you about... Uh, something that the listeners have been waiting for, I guess. Uh, can you tell us more about, of course, your stand-up comedy and whether or not it's something that you started during or your alcohol addiction? Oh, so it was right near the end. It was right, it was right near the end. Um, still drinking. Uh, I was old. I, in the world of like trying stand-up comedy, I was, uh, I was, an, I was an old guy. And, but if it's something I always wanted to do, and this almost goes into the, the validation, but, but I'll save that part. So, uh, yeah, I, I went to, I made the mistake of going to a stand-up comedy class. I was, I was away on a work trip and I was, I was 
in a city where they were offering it and I was going to be there for a month. And I said, you know what? It was once a week. I'm just going to do it. And now is the perfect time. It's not like I have to explain it to uh, my wife and kids that I'm going off to do something. So I, 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 str- I try to stand up class. And then the, the end of the class is you, they have your first show. Um, and everyone who goes to the class is on the show. And I got to tell you, man, it was, it was exactly what I was looking for. And, and, the the feeling of it to walk off that stage you want to talk about a drug oh man it was absolutely fantastic um so that that started the process and then it was just a lot of a lot of open mic a lot of time um performing only in front of other comics because is anyone who does open mics knows it that 90 percent of the people that show up are just other people looking to perform uh, and they're really not interested in what you have to say. They're really worried about the, what they're uh, waiting for their spot. So they're working on their jokes in their head. They're, you know, there's very little interaction. Um, and then I, I started getting my first couple paid gigs. And, and that was, uh, it was a dream come true. It was honestly a dream come true. I've heard a lot of comedians say that when you hear the applause after a punchline, you get this feeling of being high. Is that what you felt? I just literally got chills thinking about it. Yeah. And, and I, you know, I was fortunate of my, my last, actually the episode that just came out today, I had on my first professional comedian on the podcast and we were talking about it. And there's a very big difference between performing it. Like I said, at an open mic and not really having a lot of interaction. So it's very tough to gauge whether your jokes are hitting or if they're, and then I performed at a, a, a real show, like at a casino with a couple hundred people. And I was just, you know, I was opening and I honestly, I said the first joke and it was like somebody had hit a laughter button on like a TV sitcom. And I couldn't, I thought, I thought I almost, it was a joke. Like I thought I was almost being made fun of. Cause it seemed like there was way too much laughter. Uh, and that was my first taste of having a true audience that was there to laugh. They're there to ha- you know, just have some joy and let loose and, and relax. And uh, man, yeah, it, it was such a rush for me. Uh, I did two sets that night and I just, I could have done, I could have done 20, I think. But uh, yeah, it's definitely, it's definitely a form of, it's definitely a form of, a, of dopamine. Now, because you said that, let's touch upon how comedy means validation to you. So what do you mean by validation and how does that come up with comedy? Uh, you know, and I didn't even realize this. I was just asked a question, uh, cause I did a, I did a podcast before this for, for another company and it was more of a comedy based thing. And, and someone said, Hey, why are you, why did you like, why did you pivot and start doing something about, you know, habits and consequences? And, uh, and I, re- it's because I realized that comedy for me, it was a way to, um, it was a way for me to feel good about myself. So I, I did, I did really shitty in school. I was a terrible, terrible student. Academics had never come naturally to me. Uh, at the time, ADHD wasn't really, I mean, people knew what it was. There wasn't a whole lot to do about it. I, I wasn't taking a me- medication or anything like that. Um, so I grew up feeling not very smart. I knew I could, I could communicate. I knew I could talk to people and I knew if I made them laugh to me, that was almost a, uh, a sign of intelligence. It's like I could trick you into having an uncontrolled response of laughter. And, and 
it made it validated me to myself and it's what i, I it really be, became part of my identity it's what i wanted to uh, i wanted other people to know i was funny it's the same reason i want to get on stage um and it made it made me feel good about myself when a lot of other things in my life were not making me feel good and i still do it if i'm depressed I'll tell you what, if I'm depressed and not feeling good, it's actually when I'm the funniest, I think. It's, it's when I'm the most creative and it's when I'm, I'm, I, I have an ability to make people laugh. And I, and I, I talked about it with this guy, James Matter and the comedian. It was just, it's something, it's like almost like a defense mechanism. Um, and it's like creative, creativity kicks in, uh, my, my, uh, my, comedic timing kicks in and it just makes me feel good about myself. So that's, that's where the validation comes from. Do you think that, uh, standup comedy and the feeling of being validated has substituted what alcohol did to you or uh, it probably, but I've, I've also come to, to realize that like, for me, it's also acceptance. I love comedy. I love making people laugh. And, and in, in the big scheme of things, if, if that's an addiction, I'm okay with that. You know, I'm, I'm, it's certainly the lesser of the evils. Mm -hmm. And, and I, you know, I was a little worried because I was, being in a comedy club, you put yourself in those situations. I'm out of bars late at night. Um, and I've been able to balance it to you. I'm, out, I'm able to be sober. I'm able to still do comedy whenever, you know, there's not a global pandemic going on. And, um, yeah, yeah, I'm sure. I know there's a dopamine hit I get from it, and and I'm okay with that. And I, I'm gonna I'm gonna continue doing it. I think this is my last question before I ask Pratip. You said how how if this becomes an addiction, you're okay with it. But of course, there's a tipping point in everything you do, right? There's like you said, excess. Now, where do you think there's the tipping point when it comes to stand-up comedy? Uh, I, I don't ever think it's going to be, I don't have any aspirations of, of, you know, being, making it a full-time job. And, uh, you know, I have a checks and balances with my, with my family. I, I travel a bunch for work, so there is limited time. I mean, if you talk to any comedian who does this for a living, I mean, they're doing, they're on, they're on stage five, six nights a week, sometimes three, four or five times a night. You know, depending if you're in New York City or LA or something like that, uh, I, I'll never be. I just, it's just not conducive to me. I, I wouldn't be able to do that. So I do what I can. Um, I enjoy writing. Uh, I mean, I, I you know I, I'd love to throw that back at you guys too because even though it, as you know, podcasting can become. It's not that it's not that different. You know, I might not be getting laughs in real time, but it's still you're connecting with people. You're getting feedback. You're checking your downloads, which would be your applause, right? And and there's a balance, man, because that can suck you in. You can be, it can, I don't know about you guys, but I can be checking downloads way too much. And that goes back to my addictive personality. So um, I, I think that is that is a self-correcting problem when it comes to the, uh, the stand-up. I think the podcast side is probably the one I really have to try and keep in check a little bit more. All right. We agree with you because... I check the downloads, followers, and listeners almost every single day, and even our followers on Instagram. And Pratip and I were talking about how, uh, when do we take a break? Because I think we are yeah. almost 30 episodes down. And Pratip's ready to take a break, but because of my past, I'm not. I'm like, we need to keep going till I burn out. Like, I think <laughs> that's the tipping point. Till, because I don't know when this, when this will work out and not. So 
I think I, yeah, I relate yeah. to you a lot when it comes to that. Now, now, have you talked about your past on your podcast before? No, not really. But I've uh, been a guest on another podcast and talked about my past. Yeah. 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 We'll have to get you on the consequence of habit, man. <laughs> I'd be glad <laughs> to be there. Pratham, yeah. before we end this, do you have a question to ask? No, man. Absolutely nothing more from my side. It was just uh, really nice hearing JT's side of everything. And I'm so glad that you've overcome this and also the whole stand-up comedy thing. I think it was really cool because I don't think I'm going to get too many chances to interact with a stand-up comedian. Uh, I mean, someone who does stand-up comedy. So it's really nice. Yeah, I think that's it from my side. Ashwin, do you have anything to say? No, like Pratap said that I think this was one episode where I've smiled throughout because <sighs> listening to you and listening to your stories and I've I already listened to your trailer and a lot of your episodes and it's inspiring in itself and you guys should listen to it. It's called Consequence of Habit. Is it there everywhere? Which where is it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It should it should be up on all the platforms. Right, so it's there on all platforms and listening to your stories just inspire me to look forward to keep fighting and to get through any adversities that anyone faces. So thank you so much for coming in. Thank you guys so much. Um, I, I actually, I really appreciate you even, even sharing a little bit of your story and, and you get both you guys having me on. Uh, it means a lot. I've only done maybe one or two other podcasts. So this is, this is actually a big deal to me. So I very much appreciate it. And yeah, that goes out to anybody. Uh, the people I have on, you know, I try not to make it about me as much and, and more about the people I interview and, and their stories and there's all different kinds. So, uh, like you said, there, you, you know, it's about having people go through struggles and then and see what the other side looks like and uh, hopefully motivate some people o o along the way going through the same stuff. So thank you, guys. Thank you. And I hope all of you listeners have learned a lot from him because this is one of those episodes where you can learn a lot and keep smiling throughout. Like I said, keep smiling. So thank you so much, JT. Like I always tell you guys, follow us on Instagram. Follow us on Twitter, follow us every podcast platform there is. Go listen to Consequence of Habit because you sure will learn a lot. It's hell inspirational. So please do that. Thank you, JT. Thank you. So All right, much. Thank you, guys. Thank you, man. Yeah. Thank you. Cheers. Cheers.